displaying your incredible selection of interesting instruments behind you. That's it. Beautifully displayed. And this is the young lady who not only dares to play the banjo, but she plays <laughs> the banjo lele, which I like a lot, actually. Oh. And I, and I, but I don't feel that there's anything Hawaiian about it, but it is there. It, yeah. It, isn't it? Yeah. My dog has fleas, by the way. Did you know that? My, my dog, has... dog has fleas, but it might That's be slightly it. out of tune. Exactly. Well, yeah. That's probably the yeah. only time you've ever sung out of tune in your life. <laughs> That's very now, kind. Now, I, I'd like to uh, begin by using that as an excuse to talk about a subject which I think is really interesting about you because you're loaded with interesting things about you. But one of the things that your voice can do is blend with almost anything beautifully. And you have the ability to usually sing perfectly in tune with whatever you're singing with. And that brings me to another thing. See, you weren't expecting this question, but this, and I haven't even gotten to the question and I may never get to the question. <laughs> part of my interviewing technique, but just roll with it and you'll like it. Okay. In the end. Yeah, so I'm sure, yeah, not only that, not only that, not only were you part of a group, All Angels, mm -hmm. where you had mm -hmm. to vocally blend with other people of a feminine persuasion, but you also, you, you've worked with lots of TV directors and film directors and, and people like that. So you've, you're working with, then you've got this thing, which I want you to tell us about at some point, not now, uh, the Herd Collective. Now, yes. I, I've heard many things about this, but what I haven't heard is how you put that together. So that shows another example of you working with other people. Also, this musical you're working on called Coven. Now, Coven is getting a lot of people together and you've co-written. So my big question, which I finally getting to is <laughs> you, you are not only forget that you're an incredibly great musician and and singer on top of that they're not always the same thing but you are a fantastic collaborator now what i want to know is your technique of working with other people because i know how i've worked with you and it was always completely as if we were just having a good time and doing great things and nobody ever thought but with some people working together is not easy so i want to know what your attitude towards it and your methodology of working with all, all of these disparate types of people oh wow wow well, that's a good question that's it a great good, question um i haven't been asked that question before no and that's why so, uncle richard is here to do yes. so <laughs> it's good i yeah i've worked with all sorts of people whether it's um people who are you know professional songwriters or you know you know all the way to people who are starting out with that as a teacher you know so i, I think because i've I had that background of teaching even from the age of like 16, 17, I had my first student. Um, I kind of learned very early on to kind of, to adjust and adapt to the situation, whatever that might be, whether it's somebody who's very new and very, you know, maybe lacking in confidence with what they're doing and sort of just making room for them and making them feel good about themselves, which is the best place to begin with any collaboration. Um, and so I think because of that, the teaching background that helped, but also I think it's just, um, I'm, I'm just wanting to learn from other people all the time. So I kind of want to always listen to them and, and hear what their ideas are. Cause I know what my ideas are, you know, <laughs> right. so, right. And like, I, and some people love the sound of their own voice and I can be like that sometimes, but I, I, I like to try and give other people a bit of room so that it feels very, you know very collaborative rather than just being like I'm going to sing this and then you better just validate what I say or do you know so I think um I think that that definitely helps being um a good listener and good collaborator you know giving space to the person 
I think also, um, you know, it's the, it's the improviser rule that, you know, don't, you don't say no, you say yes. And, and if you come up with a better idea, then that's great. But if, but the idea of saying no too early on, it just sort of, it stifles that creativity too quickly. And, and it's all about trying to create that atmosphere for creation and, and, you know, just freedom. So, and, and I think, I mean, it's Disney who had the, the yes room, I think he called it, before it went to the editing room, it would have the yes room. So that everything was a yes. It doesn't matter how zany the idea was. Everything was, there's no no's in that room, right? So everybody could just sort of come up with anything. And and then later it would go to the editing suite and then it would be adjusted a bit more. But but the idea of just, you know, brainstorming, letting everything out. Um, and I find that when I'm, the, the less successful collaborations have been with people who are more no people and who will kind of, say you know oh i don't like that lyric but they don't really suggest anything instead right. so it just right. stops right in its tracks you know yeah that, in yeah. songwriting that really drives me crazy i don't yeah. mind if somebody says no to something mm -hmm. when you're trying to collaborate and write a song together but mm -hmm. then a lot of them just say no and they offer nothing in return yeah and so you think well okay what are you asking me to do just write the song for you Right. And I'm exactly. supposed to come up with 12 ideas until you like one of them? No, no, yeah. no. And, and actually, that's sort of, I mean, I did hear a story about a very successful pop star mm. who was writing with a very successful songwriter producer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I won't say the names just because, you know, I guess there's some chance I might work again. I don't know. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> uh, he came to the studio to write a song, and so mm -hmm. he sat down, had a cup of coffee, and said, uh, oh, you got anything? To the producer-songwriter, and the producer-songwriter said, okay, well, I've got this kind of idea for a feel, of and started playing the piano, and he just kind of shake, shook his head, yeah, that sounds great, and then they said, well, what, would you like to try to come up with a melody on it? And you know, he hummed a few things, but didn't really come up with a melody. And they, he said, well, maybe you'd like to, nothing happened. And, and after an hour, the guy said, oh, let's go to lunch. And, uh, and they went to lunch. And, and after lunch, he said, oh, I've got to go meet my girlfriend. Bye. And, and uh, he said, uh, send me the song when it's finished. And, and that is unfortunately, I mean, I heard this story from this guy. That that's the way a lot of the you know the kind of big pop stars you see their names on the record that that's how it happens but the other thing is you know the reason i ask you this question is because we've had the fun of working together and mm -hmm. I, you know it was even fun i got to work for you when 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 you did some gigs and and uh, my son alex and i played yeah. for you and that was really fun i was honored thank you both in london and in um la as well yeah indeed indeed yeah. it was totally fun and yeah. and it was such a pleasure to and i noticed that you do this thing of you know you're very clear about what you want but at the same time open to other people's ideas and so as a as a result everybody feels like they're just having fun and playing some tunes together. Then instead of feeling like it's a job or a gig, mm -hmm. and and equally, I completely tortured you with a song called "Tip for a Toreador." Uh, from no, it was not a torture. Right wonderful. Here. Oh, look at that! You got a prop. <laughs> My songwriting book here. Absolutely. Give myself a plug because after all, you got to make a living in this world. But but what I was saying is is that you have this wonderful ability i think to make everything even when you're being tortured and i assure you folks daisy was tortured by this song and i'm going to play it for you in this video at the end of Amazing. this video i'm going to throw it in so okay. you can hear how i tortured her but did she complain no she did not did she do everything with a smile yes she did and then i forced her to to do a video and and wear a big flower in her hair did she come no did not complain at all it was great so it was great know, for me too. <laughs> I think it's a very special quality that you have beyond being talented because you know Daisy, how many people do you know who are talented who never get anywhere? I, I've lost fingers. I've lost fingers. Yes. I, I'm, and, <laughs> yeah, so many. So yeah. Many. So so I think that to me that's the little extra X factor that people don't talk about mm -hmm. is that ability to 
be a human being and work with other people and give other people the respect. And that's so I'm going to stop talking about that now. But when I lived in London, mm. pretty much every day I'd be at Cafe Nero and I would oh, be, really? you know, having know that's, that for me, that's was at least it was the best coffee in London. And also, you know, the, the baristas, they knew exactly how I wanted it. Uh, basically, yeah. black, nothing in it. Just give me the coffee. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah. How did you get your, your songs into Cafe Nero? I want to know how. Yeah, oh, sure. Well, it was a little bit random, but um, so when I did this, I did a, a competition called the Coffee Music Project in London, and um, they actually have one in L.A. as, as well as New York, but they started yeah. off in London. Wow. And um, uh, yeah, so actually that that I think maybe the visit that that we met up last time, I actually was a judge on the panel for the L.A. competition. But wow. I, I had been a winner a couple of years earlier. So uh, in the London competition and um, it was a singer songwriter competition. And the idea is you had to write a song about London for that one anyway. And then for different cities, it was different cities. But they've also had other themes like writing a song about coffee, writing a song about Wow, summer! All the all all these different sort of briefs that you get given. I, I wish so, I had known about this because I, you know, how much I love coffee. Well, there's and, actually a competition. It's go, it's going right now, and I don't know really? what the deadline is, but it it is in November. So, I think um, is it November? Yeah, it's it's coming up anyway. So, um, I'll let you know about it if you have a song Ooh, about yes, coffee. Yes. Then. Yeah, so I won the competition, and because of the fact that it's kind of connected with coffee, um, a few different people were there, including um the agency I signed with shortly after that called Talent Bank and somebody who works at Talent Bank has um, had a connection with Cafe Nero so he was actually the head of music at Cafe Nero nice. and then he got all the musicians who were part of Talent Bank to you know be put forward for the playlisting yeah, at Cafe Nero so yeah wonderful that's well, that, yeah. well that's really great and that even though coffee isn't really a direct link i'm trying to think of a way to link coffee to well coffee has magical qualities to it it, it does. does have a magical quality oh i see what you're doing feel better. you see where i'm going here <laughs> so you've co-written this musical called coven now mm -hmm. which subject is that about <laughs> very good so many puns i love it and you yeah. used a lot of puns for the herd one as well i liked it I did. Um, yes yeah, I, I noticed um yes yeah, so it uh Coven, as you can imagine, for with that name is, and the the hints you've already given, is a, a musical about witches and the witch trials of the sixteenth, seventeenth century, particularly in Pendle in North England. Oh, good! Which, it's uh, not Salem. Not Salem. No, no, no. Oh. It's been done. <laughs> it has been done. Oh. But uh, but yeah, this is a, a musical that's about particularly about the the Pendle witch trials, which is a, a kind of very unique example of. Um, of something that was happening a lot, you know, around Europe and, and then later in America. But it, it was a uh, child testimony was sort of used for the first time during the witch trials. And this young girl basically testified against her whole family and they were all executed in front of her because of her testi testification. Is that the word testification? Uh, I don't think it is, but I love it. <laughs> Thank you for, for loving my bad English yeah, there. Because <laughs> of her testimony, I believe, would be a good way. Testimony. To testimony. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, well, it's late here in the UK, so just that, that's my Well, excuse. I hope that your um, musical makes money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. Uh, very good, very good. <laughs> well, I'm not actually writing the, the script, uh, luckily, with that. Uh, that was a really you guys, somebody else is writing the book. Yes, exactly. So uh, the book has been uh, dealt with by another writer who we've not actually announced yet because it's sort of expanded since the last time we were public about okay, it. Okay, right. And then the lyrics are, were written with a um, uh, another a, a, a very talented writer and actress, uh, Rebecca Brewer, who's been as part part of this from day one. So she actually came up with the idea originally. So she okay. approached me after seeing my concerts as a folk musician and she yes. wanted to write with somebody a little different uh, rather than a typical musical theater writer, which is, I think something that's quite common recently. You know, a lot of people have been looking to other genres or not yes. genres, but other media to, to kind of find writers for musicals. And I think that's theater. a really good thing. Don't you? I think, yeah, it makes it interesting. I think um, bringing other kinds of worlds into the world of, world of musical theater is always good, I think. So, um, I you know I, I I grew up with musicals. I st my first ever gig was a musical when I was nine. So you know I I have a lot of respect for for musicals and musical writers, um, 
and I felt a little out of my depth to begin with, but I, I'm really embracing it. And um, and I realized, yeah, there's. I, I think I have the skills required for for the job. I hope. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm I'm absolutely sure you do because one of the <laughs> things that's uh, because you've mentioned this thing of style. Mm. Let's face it, you are a really trained classical musician. You're a you're you've you've done a lot of different pop music in different styles. Your first album, where I became aware of you, was your first jazz album when you, I believe yeah. you were 15, which That's is, right. you know, about two or three years ago. And, uh, and, uh, and I thank you. I, was, I just nodded there pretending that was, yeah, that was absolutely yeah. accurate. Yes, I fit in a lot yeah. in those two years. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so I was very impressed with that because mm. you were approaching jazz with a voice that wasn't like a jazz singer. You were approaching it with this purity and intonation, which of course, just your, you know, sometimes with a singer, just the intonation alone is enough to knock me out because right. it's so rare for me to hear a voice which is really beautifully, naturally in tune. And you had it, of course. But but I also liked the, the, the gentle, non-pushy way that you sang those jazz tunes and so you brought something fresh to those old tunes which actually a lot of singers say they're doing but they're not they're just singing them and they're singing them with kind of standard kind of arrangements and it's not very inventive and it's nice but you know it's not killing me but that album was was amazingly impressive but then you. you've you've kind of gone through this thing and become an adult of sorts uh, and uh, and and now you've settled on this style which i don't know that your publicity department is calling folk americana but it it covers a lot of stuff and uh, and it's it's very nice and it's your own brand of i guess folk pop i i guess you if you see the trouble is people have to put labels on stuff mm -hmm. in order to feel comfortable with talking about them rather i would rather call your music daisy shoe i like it thank you yes yeah, yeah i agree better, yeah like it's and it says that right behind you so i must be right there it is <laughs> so you've got the set very nicely laid out there i must say thank yeah you. i want you to talk about yesterday and i want you to talk about of course the movie yesterday because <laughs> I can tell you that, of course, we were so, so excited to see you in in the movie. And I just want to know how you got the gig and how it how it was working on it. Well, uh, that gig uh, came about from Twitter, would you believe? Because um, uh, somebody on Twitter, a well, famous film composer called Daniel Pemberton, who's quite um, active on Twitter. I don't know if you know him, but he, he's written lots of music for fairly big films. And he... Um, posted a tweet saying looking for ukulele players in London for a, for a shoot next week um, and and I didn't see this tweet even though I do follow him but I didn't see it um, but a friend of mine who is another he's like an agent for film you know session musicians for film and TV he then texted me saying by the way Daniel Pemberton's looking for ukulele player get in touch quick you know and uh, and so I got in touch and um, and then we had like a little there was a little casting call where they had to hear nice. everybody to make sure and then um yeah then that then it was very quickly just going into it really it was um i just so happened to have a, like a gap in my diary which was quite unusual so it was amazing that i could make it work because then we did um you know a few weeks later we were filming at wembley stadium at about midnight through to like 6 a.m. So I did have a gap in my diary because I don't usually do any jobs at that time of the day. Right, let's be of honest. course. <laughs> is when I'm sleeping. But, um, you know, so I'd had that that space. And so, you know, we did a filming night at Wembley and then we went to um, the following we went, week, we went to Cardiff to the Millennium Stadium there. And we did a couple of nights there. And uh, this was the ukulele, in fact, that I was playing. Well, look at that. The very same. And uh, this is, uh, yeah, we played Here Comes the Sun as part of it. Um, you did. Oh, it's so out of tune. I'm so sorry. But yeah, That's... I was playing the lead ukulele part. Well, um, I mean, of course you will be. <laughs> it was a ukulele quintet and they called us the, uh, what was it? Uh, Richard Curtis decided to call us the, the Raspberry Berets. Nice. Um, inspired nice. by Prince. And we all had pink berets on. <clears> and, um, nice. <laughs> so yeah, we were in a very short little moment of the film, but it was, uh, 
It was a lot of fun, and well, it was big to us. We we yeah, cheered. Thank we you. cheered when you're as uh, as if you had put one in the back of the net. <laughs> thank you. Way. <laughs> Very good. Exactly. Very good. Football term. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it was like we were. Hey, we were at the almost at the football stadium after all. So. <laughs> Well, yeah. now, now, Daisy, I'm going to shift you into another subject. Okay. And you're a songwriter, and you write really nice songs, and they have, they follow all of the sort of great things about songwriting that I talk about in my book, which I'm plugging again. So, <laughs> uh, Daisy says it's blue. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing I want to ask you is. I'd like to know what your songwriting. Oh, sorry, that was my coaster. Oh, you can, sorry. I, I thought you were. Are you asking for coins? Because I can't really throw them over, <laughs> over Zoom. No, this is my drink. My coaster just fell down because it was stuck to the bottom of the drink. You know? ah, well, if only you had more of them, you could do a doo wop thing. <laughs> uh -huh, thank you. Okay. okay. But what I, you know, what I want you to talk about after you have your drink is. <laughs> What is your songwriting methodology, number one? That's the first mm -hmm. part of the question. And number two, what's your songwriting methodology when you're songwriting with somebody else who is actually conscious and alive rather than someone who shouldn't be there? <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait, I'm just trying to figure out the scenario where I'm writing with somebody who's not alive. Well, um... <laughs> I've, had lots of I've had lots of them. I like that. <clears throat> I mean, I suppose, well, I suppose the covenant in itself is a kind of uh, is a collaboration with the dead in some ways I suppose well, could be, um, yes. Yeah, yeah yeah yes okay so when I'm um, writing on my own <clears throat> usually it's sort of uh, it depends actually because some songs will take a long time some songs will just sort of flood out of you and you kind of if you happen to be in, able to then you kind of try and harness that whatever that's going on there you know and, and finish the song in one sitting if you can um Otherwise, uh, sometimes they can haunt you for a while talking about dead things yeah. <laughs> or not quite dead. And witches, but... yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, um, yeah, so I, you know, I've had a, f a few songs that have, you know, never been finished that still haunt me sometimes, you know, and I kind of sometimes pick up a guitar and play play the beginning of the song and then I don't know where to go after that. But they always say finish your songs because then they, <laughs> they'll stop haunting you. Um, but in terms of methodology, I mean, I, I get inspiration from all sorts of things from um, from life, from what I read or watch or, you know, hear people talking about, you know, overhearing conversations, you know, all sorts of things. I'm always scribbling down little lyric ideas on my phone. Right? I have a little note thing on my phone and, and I have, every time I do it, I, I call, I say song lyrics so that I can search them later. If I'm ever, if I ever have a song to write for something, then I can right. look through my ideas. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's somebody else's story that will inspire it. And that comes from, you know, talking to people or reading, you know, so I've, you know, had a song inspired by a little Oscar Wilde short story. Um, I've had a song inspired by um, by a story from, you know, a really random story I read on a website about Thomas Hardy's uncle, who wow. was a shoemaker. And it was just like this random thing that kind of came wow. from just like clicking on something and it le led to something else. And he lost his, the shoemaker lost his daughter to, um, to scarlet fever when she was about 10 years old. And so that was quite moving and right. uh, decided to make that into, into a song. So, yeah. um, and so, yeah, all sorts of things have inspired it. Um, of course, heartbreak is a big inspiration for a lot of songwriters. I try not to oh, make every song yeah. about heartbreak because, you know, there's so many already. It's a little um, tough because you're now with a fantastic recording engineer well, exactly. and how could your heart be broken by that that's only nothing but pleasure it's true it's true but that's uh true. you know there, there are former loves that i can that's right good mine <laughs> exactly. so yeah but you know, i i love um i love writing to briefs as well because I, I like the kind of having the kind of restriction of um okay well this is your you have to write something for this purpose you know i, I yes quite enjoy i love that, that. Yes. So, um, but, but it's, it's sounding like your methodology is subject and lyric based, which is quite interesting because that's exactly sort of what I talk about in my book, mm. because, um, you know, I say you have to have a target in order to hit the target. You have to know where mm. the target is. And so yeah. once you've got a, a subject matter or even I'm sure this because you're such a completely great musician, I'm sure that sometimes a musical idea mm -hmm. will occur to you. You, you may yeah. be 
picking up that banjo thing or one of the other instruments that you have there and you might feel oh yeah this is a really interesting little riff i'm playing here that yeah. would yes so let's say let's say you are writing with somebody else now my mm -hmm. my thing is always go into a writing session with somebody else Something. with a couple oh. ideas you know yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hopefully unfinished ideas because otherwise it's going to be difficult you know yeah yeah and sometimes you might have a chorus or you might have a a uh uh, a verse or even mm -hmm. just one one great line yeah. and that that'll kick off something yeah so the, what i was saying about you know trying to you know finish a song in one sitting that i sometimes try actively not to just so i can have a few ideas to bring to sessions because you know nobody wants to to kind of well some some people don't mind working on a song that's already finished and, and tweaking right. it and maybe adding right. a section but but it's so much more interesting to be able to help create that together but yeah. i mean it's, it's great having that starting point but you don't want to have the the end already there you know you want to you want to be able to have some place to go so mm -hmm. i certainly i've done that for a lot of writing sessions i'll have you know even just like one line will will be enough to kind of get us going or um or subject or whatever or, or yeah maybe it's a chorus maybe it's a verse maybe it's maybe it's a chord sequence you know so um i've, I've you know I, I, we can start in lots of different places from the music or from the lyric i think the lyrics tend to take a lot longer than the music especially for me anyway i, I find i find i can uh, i don't know i don't know why exactly but the music comes really easily and naturally and it doesn't really it just flows very quickly in the way that you know anybody who's done any improvisation it's just sort of that sort of feels very accessible just right. doing the music and you respond right. to the, whatever the subject is and, and whatever comes out actually often is is the right thing and you kind of go yes. with it whereas lyrics you kind of you can <clears throat> go back and forth and back and forth and it takes a little while to to really you know get the perfect lyric that that some sums up what you're trying to say you know right um, so yeah, that, that's the way I, I tend to, so I, I usually start with lyrics just so that I have a little head start because <laughs> yeah. as soon as I have a lyric, I, I'm very quick with the music. So yes. um, it's the, the lyrics that the Yes, and, and just, not that you need it at all, but I'm going to send you a copy of my book because it yeah. does deal with the, that very thing of what a lot of writers call the blank page. Mm -hmm. For years and years, I've had the great pleasure of writing with a lot of different songwriters and so what i used to do is when the, when i heard some good ideas from another songwriter i'd say mm -hmm. oh they're doing that that's a good thing to do and that's a good thing to do and so yeah. um i have a system i call it the 11 point plan which avoids the blank page it can't mm -hmm. you can't get the blank page using my method so i'm going to send it to you just for fun not that you need because because your songs are great and in no, fact no, I, we always need it i mean everybody needs any tip they can get but you were saying sorry in yeah. fact no I, I know i was only saying that because your songs are so great i'd like you to if you wouldn't mind pick up one of those instruments and whip out oh. one of your songs for us for sure I don't know if I've ever done this one with you, actually, because no. I, I usually wouldn't have the banjo when I'm traveling because it's just another well, thing to, tr to carry. No, I know. What's it called, Daisy? This song is called Puddle Town. Puddle Town. Oh, yes. I don't know if we have done this. So just to give a little introduction again, this is Puddle Town, which is inspired by Thomas Hardy and his uncle, who was a shoemaker, a cobbler, which, of course, in Britain means something different to in America. <laughs> It wasn't an apple crumble. He was. Uh, it wasn't a dessert, a delicious dessert that I'm sure your wife makes beautifully. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was a shoemaker, and he lived well in the time of Thomas Hardy, so a long time ago. And he and there was quite a common, you know, disease at the time called scarlet fever, which you know, I think it, it you know, especially with the pandemic recently, kind of uh, this felt like a even more kind of. Uh, appropriate song in many ways because this is you know about something that would afflict a lot of people and there wouldn't be a, any way of curing it really at the time so so this is um yeah this is Puddle Town which is about the town um on the river Piddle I think is the name and uh this actually all oh, it was inspired by uh my the songwriting partner on this actually heard this on the radio he heard that Puddle Town was flooding on the radio and he wrote it down because he said that sounds great that sounds like a good song so we looked it up and then um found out all this story about puddle town and thomas hardy who lived there and based a lot of the characters in his books about from people he met there and uh yeah so his uncle uh was a shoemaker he lost his young daughter when she was 10 to scarlet fever so we imagined 
in this song that he um, made a pair of shoes for her that she would never get too big to she would never outgrow and she would never in those shoes she would never see anything beyond Puddle Town so this little town that she lived in in England so this is Puddle Town April fires in Puddle Town Couldn't help the change and trade Daisy. Thank you. Absolutely lovely. Well, that that is gorgeous and lovely. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to treat the listeners to me torturing you with the Toreador. <laughs> Amazing. So Daisy, when I called you with this song, what was your first thought? <laughs> My first thought was, wow, Richard can fit a lot of words into a song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, well, I, I guess that's true. I sure can. 
I, th- I thought it was a, a, a wonderful idea and, and you mentioned a, a lot of amazing people who are being part of it and I was just honored you were asking me to be honest and I was happy to be able to do it even though I, I'm not in LA a lot you know so I could do it from London and uh, this is before people were doing all sorts of remote sessions and now of course it's normal but at yes. the time you know we weren't doing a lot of remote sessions so I was yeah. I was very honored to be part of it. Well, that's very sweet of you to say. I mean, the thing is, not only did we, uh, Daisy recorded it for me at at her place, but uh, with me in LA, but then when she happened to come here to visit, by that time, the record was finished and we were ready to do the video. So we did the video uh, at my house uh, and uh, my wife, Eileen, filmed it against a green screen. And then I I did the video using a lot of... uh, little images and fun things that were they were in there so it was kind of fun and uh, it includes uh, an introduction by me playing the the uh the toreador himself exactly which i I think i look exactly like a toreador and i my act my spanish accent is just it's probably the best spanish accent any actor has ever done in any film so i I was rather happy with that (laughs) And, and and daisy played the part of this poor innocent romantic girl who meets a Toreador and uh, is entranced by his his uh, amazing Toreadorness and uh, <laughs> and so so this is the song and it's about a Toreador who really wants to be a waiter that's all he wants he lo- wants yes. to serve food in a beautiful restaurant I love it he doesn't want to kill animals he just wants to you know be a, be an elegant waiter so that's what this song is about I come from a long and distinguished family. My ancestors come from Madrid. In 1725, my great, 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 great grandfather proudly served wine at the Sobrino de Botini, the oldest restaurant in existence. My family continued the noble tradition at the finest eateries and hotels throughout the world. Oh, the foolishness of youth. I saw my first bullfight at nine, and I was enganchado, how you say, hooked. Why did I not listen to my poor father? Wiping the tears from his eyes, he said, You are the fruit of my loins, although you may be entranced by the corrida, the roar of the bloodthirsty crowds, the lips of the hot-blooded senoritas, their thighs inflamed by your estrocada. The day will come when you long for the drama of the dinner service. The feel of a crisp white apron. The intellectual challenge of seat assignments. The brilliance of mirror-polished silver. The passion of a special customer's gratuity as she places it oh, so surreptitiously in your palm. Can't you see, hijo? It is your destiny to serve. It is in your blood. <laughs> For years, I enjoyed the Fiesta Brava, but soon I started to realize that Padre was right. As I entered the ring, my attention was distracted by people eating in the stands. As the bull charged, I produced a crystal goblet for a housewife drinking a can of Coca-Cola. I thought the banderias were busboys, and I told them, sotto voce, to clear the dirty dishes. One fateful day, the trumpets blared to announce the Tessio de Barra. I walked out to address the bull, armed with a huge plate of paella. Though it was prepared to perfection, the bull walked away in disgust. I did not blame him. How could I forget that bulls are vegetarians?
flesh from the oven, but give me more. What's on the menu within me, do with me your heart? Toreador, here's your gratuity in perpetuity evermore. Slip me a dumpling, there's something I think I can use that for. And for dessert, you can squirt cream on my cherry tart. You can't do any of the Coven songs, can you? I can. Mm-hmm. You could? Yeah. Would you like... Um, there's one that swears, so I won't do that one, but there's one that we discovered that doesn't have a swear word in it, which is great because <laughs> we've had to do some radio stuff and we realized that a lot of the stuff we couldn't even do on BBC Radio because of the swear okay. words. So so this is one that we um, we could do. 
Right. And it's um, on guitar. Okay, good. Um, as we were researching the show, we realized that there were a lot of people who we kind of never knew exactly what happened to. There were people who kind of disappeared from the history books, you know, so they, they might have, you know, they might have a record of them going to prison, but we don't see whether or not they survived right. or, or whether right. they were hung or whatever. Right. And we were just discovering a lot of people who we just, you know, never knew anything about or, or didn't know very much about and, and made us think about all the people who we who never even made it to any history books and, and, um, wow. and all the people who never could ever given gravestones or anything, you know. Um, and so this is a song inspired by all that, which is called She, because we don't, know the we don't know the name of this person. No, no, so you don't, this, no. Um, and the idea that even though they're not in history books or on gravestones, they still, in the way that, you know, that energy is always transformed rather than destroyed, Indeed. they still exist in the world in some way whether that's through you know the trees that have grown since or you know in some in some form in nature they they're still here nice. even if they're not in in written down in history books or given gravestones and so this Very is nice. this and, is called and, she and and because you've rehearsed it and finally written the song you might call it coven ready oh very good <laughs> okay i got one in all right you're into after, after all this talk about intonation i just didn't want to <laughs> you know, disappoint. I know they say not to tune a guitar when it have a capo on it, but oh no, that's when you do have to do it. That's not. Well, that's what I figured. That's what I figured. But of course, I don't know. you have to tune it with a that's capo. That's what I thought. Yeah. Because but it, somebody told me that once, and I don't well, know the why. The capo throws the guitar right out of tune. Well, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad that we're in agreement here. Okay, I feel validated. Thank you. I agree with <laughs> everything you say, Daisy. If okay. it were up to me, you'd be my manager. <laughs> okay, this is She from Coven. You won't find me in a book You won't find me on a single list You won't find me if you search You won't find a trace of me to me You'll find me in the end You'll find me where the water flows You'll find me in the strength of trees You'll find me in an endless glow I'll see you on the breeze
Once again, absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Daisy Shoot, the artist who it's impossible not to love. Ah, you're very kind. Thank you, Richard. Well, it's just a fact. I cannot tell a lie. You know, I'm like George Washington. The truth <laughs> just spews out of my mouth. I just can't help myself. Oh, I was going to say, you know, I'm related to George Washington. Are you really? I am. That's very interesting. Well, <laughs> I, hear, I hear he had wooden teeth, but you don't, of course. <laughs> Did he actually? Apparently, yeah, you know, they didn't have false teeth in those days, so they had to make them out of wow. ivory or wood or something. I don't know. Wow. But anyway, he was a pretty cool cat. Yeah. Wow. Sure. You, well, that's a good person to be related to. And it just, you know, proves that you have every right to be half American. I believe that's what you are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just the bottom half, though. You know. Okay. Well, the top half is what we can see now, so that's all that matters. Yeah. And and this is Daisy Shoot. I'm so glad you came on the show. Uh, I hope that we're. I know that we're going to do a lot more together because mm -hmm. you're going to interview me about mm -hmm. certain records that I've made, and uh, I I look forward to that. Those will be the a special series of Radio Richard, where Daisy Shoot takes over the the reins of of everything and and uh, forces me to answer questions that are embarrassing which is great which i look forward to i'm looking forward to that and i'm gonna throw i'm gonna throw in some surprise questions as well but meanwhile daisy shoot her new ep is called songs of solace and you can't get any better solace than listening to daisy sing oh, as you've you. already been proven here and <laughs> she's featured in david attenborough's latest thing uh but she's not hiding in the bushes eating nuts <laughs> as far as i know are you You've just spent almost an hour in the company of the phenomenally talented Daisy Shoot. Why not say thank you to Radio Richard for bringing you this sublime entertainment by liking, sharing, and especially by subscribing to Radio Richard so we can keep making your life better. Thank you. <laughs>